0: Amen. When we all get to heaven, (laughs) what a great and glorious day that will be. It will be great for us that go. It will be hard for those that stay. But it doesn't get any better than that for the believer. That when we pass through the gates of heaven and we get to see our, our Savior, our Jesus, who sacrificed his life, gave all that he had, So that you and I, sinners that don't deserve it, an opportunity to come to spend heaven for eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to those, my loved ones that are there. But my first stop will be at the feet of Jesus. Because without Him, I wouldn't even be there. Let's pray before we start. Father God, I just want to praise you and thank you (laughs) for sending your only begotten son to die on the cross to pay the debt of my sin. Father, I I pray I will never get over that fact. And Father, as we look forward to heaven, uh, we need to understand we will be there only because of what your son did on the cross, by paying the ultimate sacrifice, by spilling his blood. So that I might have the opportunity to be saved. Father, there's no words to tell you how grateful I am for that. But Father, in return for that, Father, my prayer is that that I and us will live a life that is is glorifying to you. That because we have been saved for an eternity and one day we'll get to see the face of Jesus. Father, my prayer is that we will live accordingly down here on this earth. Telling others the good news of salvation, telling others the good news of the cross and the resurrection, so that they too can experience heaven for an eternity. Father, we love you. Father, we ask that you will just speak now uh, in our service. Father, I pray that uh, uh, we will have open ears and a willing heart to receive what what the message is today. What your message is today, Father. Father, in your name I pray these things. Amen. As we continue on in our end time series, uh, I don't have just one set verses today. We're going to have a potpourri, if you would, of of verses. So I'm not going to just direct you to Revelation or wherever. But we're just going to have a whole whole lot of verses as we look at um, a a subject that uh, I'm just not completely... Uh, comfortable preaching on and that is the Antichrist. So we're going to spend a little time on him, okay? Don't want to give him the whole hour, so, so we'll give you some information on that and, and then we will uh, look at the spirit of the Antichrist is what I want to be looking at today. So anyway, that's what we're going to do and hopefully we will, we'll get there. The Tribulation. We have talked a little bit about the Tribulation you know, it's that period of time right after the rapture when every believer has been raptured out of here, been snatched up, if you would. And that tribulation will be seven years of God pouring His wrath out upon, these, upon the people and upon this, this earth. Seven years of, of time where you don't want to be here. But we also talked about the other day about the grace of the tribulation where God will send His 144,000 Jewish Apostle Paul-type evangelists to preach the word. And he's going to send down supernaturally, he's going to send down possibly Moses and possibly Elijah down to be two witnesses that will proclaim absolute truth to the people. And the Bible says they will, they will be glad when those guys are dead because of their torment that they did to the people. They weren't tormenting people, they were preaching truth to them and nobody wanted to hear it. And we also talked about the one angel that's going to be flying around that says, Fear God, judgment's coming, bow down and worship the Holy One. And yet the Bible says not many of them wanted to do that. But we know that during that tribulation time, it will be one of the greatest revivals in the history of revivals. Because now all of a sudden many folks will say, Man, I, where's everybody? Where's my Christian friends? They're gone. And then as, as circumstances happen and, and God pours His wrath on, on, down on the people, it causes some to look up instead of look down. And they look up to the Father, and they accept the Father as Lord and Savior. And then, of course, we know what happens to them during the tribulation time, a very dark period of time. But then we also know that that at the end of the tribulation, Jesus is going to come back for his people. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to bring you and I with him at the Battle of Armageddon. And we'll be there, and just in a twinkling of an eye, he's going to solve all the evil issues and the evil armies that are out there and he's going to take care of those at that point where he wipes out evilness completely that is the tribulation time and we know that that the antichrist during this 7 year period will try to imitate if you would god during this 7 year period he will begin what is what we would call the unholy trinity where he Satan himself sets him up as himself as god and he sets the Antichrist up as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then there's going to be that false prophet who will set himself up as the Holy Spirit. This unholy trinity. You and I both know we believe in the trinity. The holy trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit whose, whose mission is love and truth and repentance. The unholy trinity will be about deception and hatred and evil. And Satan will begin to do that. And he'll put that group together, and many people will follow after this unholy Trinity. It's going to be a very difficult, difficult time. But today I want to look at the Antichrist. Okay? That person who will who says he represents Christ. John one, first John two eighteen says it this way, and I want you to just read those verses. I think we've got that verse up there. And it says, As we look at the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist, John writes this. He says, little children, it is the last hour, which means Jesus is coming back. And just as you heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many, many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. John says there is going to be one Antichrist. But he says there have been many Antichrists through the years. And those many Antichrists, you can classify them as the Spirit of of the Antichrist, and we're going to look at that also today. So we're going to, that's what we're going to look at. You know, the word anti means against, okay? But in the Greek, it also can mean instead of, okay? Now, just think about it. As a matter of fact, that's the title of the message, the instead of Christ. You see, because during the tribulation period, the Antichrist will be absolutely in opposition to everything that Jesus has ever taught. Everything that Jesus stood for, everything he taught, the Antichrist will be in opposition to that. But during that period of time, he will pass himself off as the Christ. He will want people to worship him as the Christ. Even though he is so opposed to Jesus, he will pass himself off. Deception and deceivement. During that time, he will be Satan's superman, did you know that? He will be Satan, Superman, where he will, he will torture and he'll persecute and he'll kill Christians all over the world that have been recently been saved. That will be his job. He will be, if you would just think about this, he would be King Nero and King Nebuchadnezzar and Hitler and Stalin and Mao Zedong. And if you put all those folks together into one person and one body, that's the Antichrist. That is how evil he will be during this seven-year period. That is how despicable he will. There will never be a man on the face of the earth that will even come close to being as evil and as cruel as the Antichrist. Where does he get his power? Satan gives him his power to be able to do that. matter of fact, some theologians will tell you that in the last three and a half years of the Tribulation, that Satan em- embodies the Antichrist which causes him to be even more evil than he really is. I don't have a verse for that today. I'm just going to throw that out. That very easily, the, the Satan could embody the Antichrist because of his evilness. In Daniel, he is called the despicable man. In first in Second Thessalonians, he's called a man of lawlessness. He is called the son of destruction. He is called the man of sin. He is called the son of perdition. He is called the wicked one. In First John 2.18, he's called the Antichrist. In Revelation 13, he is called the beast. None of those words are very flattering to this cruelest man in the history of our history. Second 2 Thessalonians 2.4 says it this way. He said, "...he will be one who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship." so that he takes his seat at the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. He will oppose every form of religion. He will uh, oppose every form of godliness. And at one time in the middle of the tribulation, he will make himself known. He He will go to the newly built temple in Jerusalem. He will sit on the throne and declare himself God. I am God and nobody else is. The Bible calls that the abomination of desolation. That's what he's going to do. When he stands and sits on that throne and says, I am God. You will worship me. What a guy. So who is this guy? Do we know who he is? The Bible doesn't tell us, does it? The Bible doesn't give us a name. But it gives us some characteristics of who he will be. And I want to kind of give you those today in the first part of the message and, and kind of just let you see what the Bible says about this evil one, this, this Antichrist, the one who's going to oppose everything about our God. In, first, in Daniel 7.20, it says this. He said, The Antichrist had a mouth uttering great boast, and which was larger in appearance than his associate's. When the Antichrist comes upon the earth, which will be only in the tribulation, hopefully none of us will see him. But when he does, he will have this charismatic personality that draws people to him. He will be a public speaker like no one has ever heard before. He will have a a magnetism in his voice and the words that he speaks, and, and it will just draw folks into him. He will be tall, dark, and handsome if you would. It talks about him being in his appearance and better than others. And that he comes from the Mediterranean area. And he will be stronger and he'll be bigger. And there'll be just something about him that draws people to him. When he comes on the scene, he will preach peace in the world. And people will come and gather to him. Just think about that. Just think about it. Even just today. If there was somebody on this planet that steps up and says, you know, I can, I can solve COVID today. I can solve it. And, and tomorrow, all of a sudden, COVID has disappeared from, from all over the world. What would you think about that? You go, ooh, that's that, number one, that's really good. And number two, how did he get that power? number three is, man, this guy's special. And I can just imagine if that were to happen, that people all over the world would be going, man, that guy's got something special going on. How can he do that? He solved COVID almost by himself. And people of the world would flock to him and want to worship him and bow down, want to hear what he has to say. That could happen. And that's the way the Antichrist will be in the tribulation. People will just flock to him and say, man, you are something else. In Daniel 7.25, it says, uh, the Antichrist will speak pompous words. Against the Most High. He will speak blasphemies against God. He will shout his arrogance, his cockiness, and and, and let God know who he is. And it will be as if he will shake his fist at God and say, I'm the ruler here, and you are not. Big, arrogant, pompous words that he will shout at the top of his lungs against the God the Father. Not a good thing for him eventually. In Revelations 13, it says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. When he declares himself God, he will require everyone to bow down to worship him, creating what we would call today a one-world religion. Well, that would that would never happen. One-world religion? Are you serious? That's not. About a year ago, the Pope invited uh, Christian leaders all over the—not just Christian leaders, religious leaders all over the world—at a summit. And out of that summit, they made this proclamation that we all worship the same God. That one day we all need to have a one world religion because, see, we're all just the same. Because there's only one God and, and, and whatever religion you've got, obviously we, are, we want to serve the one God. That was just a year or so ago. But I, I, I hate to tell him that, but I don't serve that one God I don't serve that because, you see, my God had a son who he sent to this earth to die for my sins. And he arose the third day. And now the Bible tells me he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. There is not one religion besides Christianity that can make that claim. Because every other religion who thought their prophet was, was Jesus was not. Because why? He's still in the grave. That prophet is still in the grave. He's dead and gone. He's nothing but bones and dust. But my son, my Savior, my God, said, I'm going to raise my son up. That's the God I serve. There won't be just one religion. There might be in a tribulation, but I'm not going to serve him. You're not going to serve him. Because it's not the same God, I promise you. The Antichrist also will try to change the moral and the natural laws of universe, and I'm going to speak on that in just a minute. He is a he is a nut from the good go. Third thing I want to tell you, he is the most evil, cruel, sadistic person in the history of the world. Daniel 7.25 says he will persecute God's people. He will persecute God's people. What that word persecute means is to wear out. Is to wear out. Now think about that. When he comes on the earth and, and there's folks that are being, being uh, saved at that point in time, The Bible says he will persecute them. He will wear them out. He will cause a slow and cruel and a torturous death to those folks that have been born again during the tribulation, eventually leading to their their death. If you would just think about Nazis and Hitler doing World War II, he didn't just round up six million Jews today and exterminate every one of them, did he? He didn't just do that. What did he, he do? He put them in concentration camps. He didn't feed them. He, he allowed them to be tortured in a slow and a painful death. That is a picture of what it's going to be like in the tribulation with the Antichrist. He will wear out God's people, if you will. He will make them suffer and be tortured and persecuted and eventually beheaded, the Bible tells us. Not a nice guy. He is... The worst of the worst. In Revelation 17, 12, it says he sets up a one-world government. A one-world government where we are worshiping, in a sense, one government that controls all the world. You know what that's called? That's called globalism today. You'll hear it in the news all the time. Globalism. One-world government. We have the League of Nations that's supposed to be controlling the world and, and creating peace they got no no clue and got no power. The World Health Organization is is designed to help create, uh, eliminate sickness around the world. Boy, they've done a good job with that, haven't they? Okay? Antichrist will bring a one-world government to the world. In Revelation 13, 17, we've talked about this before. He establishes a cashless society where there's no more coins, no more money, that kind of stuff. We've talked about that before. That technology is already... In place. In Daniel 9 27, he begins a tribulation by signing a peace agreement with Israel. And that's something you really need to know because that begins the tribulation. There's three things I want you to know about just about that little statement. Number one, when that peace agreement is signed, it introduces the world to the Antichrist. At that point, we will understand who he is, at least those who are alive. The second thing that it will will point to is that is that um, the tribulation has begun when that peace agreement with Israel signed tribulation has begun according to God's word and the third thing that I think you, you, we overlook sometimes at that point it says he will sign a peace agreement with Israel a guaranteeing guaranteeing peace with Israel Anything wrong with that? Well, there kind of is. Because you see, when that agreement between Israel and the Antichrist is formed, that there will be peace for seven years, Israel now says, I am believing that the Antichrist will keep us safe. Not the God of Israel will keep me safe. Do you see the issue there? Do you see the problem there? Now, in essence, the Jews have said, "All right, Antichrist, you protect us." And all through history, God has said, "What I will protect you," and yet they turn their back on Holy God to allow the Antichrist to protect them. Uh, not a not a good deal. In Revelations thirteen three, it says he will be killed by a frontal head wound. The Antichrist in three and a half years will be killed. Yet the Bible says Satan will raise him back up from the dead. And everyone on earth will see it. Everyone will see that the Antichrist was dead and gone and now he's alive and well. And you don't think people will just swarm to that? Complete deception, counterfeit. Just like like Jesus was raised from the dead, Satan is going to do the same thing with the Antichrist. And you can imagine what the popularity of that will be. Because all over the world people will see it. Not a pretty picture of this fellow, is it? But I'm here to tell you, but God. But God is going to deal with him one day. I just love that phrase, but God. No matter what's happening in our world today, no matter what's happening in your situation, your circumstances in life, no matter what's going on there, if you'll just remember that phrase, but God. God is not done. God has not forgotten about you. God has not forsaken you. But God has got a plan for your life. And he's going to work it out. In Romans 8, 28 says, no matter what happens to you, what's going to happen? All that stuff that happens to you, God is going to take it if you're a believer. And he's going to make something good and holy and perfect out of it. That's a pretty good promise. But God. So once Jesus decides to come back, his second coming. And he, and he, and he meets up with, with the armies of the world in a place called Armageddon. And when just in a flash, in an instant, Jesus and his band of armies, which will be us, the saints, that have come with him, they will quickly defeat the Antichrist. They will quickly defeat the, the evil armies of the world. They will be completely wiped out. The Bible says the blood will flow float uh, higher than, than the bridles of the horses. It will be such a bloodbath, and Jesus will be victorious. And because of that, because of that, in Revelation nineteen twenty, we read these words. And the beast, which is the Antichrist, was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in, in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. One day they will receive what God has promised them. Revelation 20.10 says this, And they will be tormented by night and day forever and forever one day God is going to square the books. One day God's going to bring judgment upon the Antichrist and all he's done and, and the false prophet. And, and a little bit later, in a thousand years, it'll be Satan's turn to be, to be judged. Aren't you excited that 1 John 4, 4 says this? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What a promise. When it looks so desperate, when it looks so bad during that tribulation time or even right now in your life and things are looking not so good, just need to remember 1 John 4, 4. That beautiful promise. Greater is he that is in me. And who's that in me? That's Jesus Christ living in you than he that is in the world. And that, who that is in the world? That is Satan himself. Greater is my Savior than this loser over here. I don't know about you, but that is a tremendous promise. Yeah, I think we need to know about this guy. I mean, the Bible talks about him. Like I said, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on him. Matter of fact, even just this week, I was asked the question, do you believe that the the Antichrist is alive? Do you think he's alive? Well, I don't know. I mean, the Bible doesn't say that he is, but my gut says, yeah, he is. Now, I can't, you know, that's not biblical or nothing, but I just think he is. When you point to the signs and you read God's Word, when you see what he says, that that this, this, this is going to take place, and this is in the future, and we we see technology happening, we see stuff happening, we see the world moving in that direction, in my heart and in my gut, I can't help but think that maybe he's alive somewhere in that Mediterranean region. Either a young man who's growing up just like we all did, A mother and a father? Maybe a young adult who's maybe working someplace? I don't know. But deep down in his heart, there is a blackness there, and there's an evilness there that one day will come to the surface. He's not any different than you and I, but one day it will come about that it will step forward and say, I am that Antichrist. Is he coming today? I don't know. Do I spend a lot of time looking for him? No. Do I really care? No. But if he is alive today, I'm going to tell you one thing. It means the rapture is about to happen. About the rapture, about Jesus is about to come back. If he is alive today, if that, if that dude is, is 12, he's going to come back maybe within the next 18, 15 years. If he's 30, it's getting even closer to the rapture. If he's 40, man, it's, it's coming. Jesus said, I'm going to come. I am an imminent rapture, which means I can come. At any time. And if he's alive, that's what that means. That rapture is coming. You and I must be ready for that rapture. Because you don't want any part of this tribulation. I can promise you that. What am I doing? Titus 2.13 tells me this. And I hope this is what you're doing at this point in time in your life. He says, I am looking for the blessed hope. That's the rapture. And he said, I'm also looking for the glorious appearing. Appearing as Jesus coming back at the end of tribulation of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He, is, he says, don't be spending so much time on him. Spend time looking for the blessed hope, which is the rapture. Spend time looking for him coming back at the end of tribulation. Because that's what you need to spend your time on. Man, I'd urge you to do that today. Today, we are living in a world that embraces the spirit of the Antichrist. I mean, that verse we just, well, we just read this when we started off, that there are Antichrists and there's a whole bunch of other little Antichrists running around. We embrace the spirit of the Antichrist, and that's kind of where I want the message to go to finish up today, not to give him so much time, but the spirit of the Antichrist, because that affects you and I today. I mean, that's where we live is, is the spirit of the Antichrist, and it is prevalent all over, all over this whole world. 1 John 4, 3 says this, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? Anything, anything or anyone who professes anything but Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have false teachers today that don't acknowledge that Jesus is God. Okay? Many, many of them don't. We have false religions that deny the fact that Jesus is the, only, is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way. There's no other option. And we have religions that said that, that doesn't work. That's a falseness. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. We have denominations that now change the Scripture in order to fit society. Okay? We don't want to make too many people upset, so we'll just adjust what, what, what some of this is in here. And we'll make it fit and we can bring it up to date. We'll bring the gospel up to date so people can relate to it. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. And we have passed laws in America that go against what God says is, is right. We have passed laws dealing with abortion. We passed laws dealing with homosexuality. We are passing laws that said there's just not two genders. There's a whole bunch of genders out there. And if you don't like what God gave you, well, you can just change it. We think we can control the climate, we can pass laws that decide how hot and how cold it is, how much rain we're going to get. No, you can't do that. God's in charge of that. God's in charge of the rain. He's in charge of the sun. He's in charge of everything. And if he wants to ever shut that down, he can shut it down in an instant. And he's going to in the tribulation. No, all of that attitude, all that laws that are passed, nothing but the spirit of the Antichrist. And we're living amongst it right now and it seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. Anything that God calls an abomination, I don't care what the world calls it, guess what it is? It's nothing but sin. Nothing but sin. We have to be prepared, people, to live in an environment like that. We have to be prepared... To understand what what deception is, we have to understand that the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well, even as we speak amongst our amongst the people that we live with in the society we live in a government that is doing what it is doing. we've got to be aware that that is happening 2 Timothy three one through five gives us twenty characteristics of people that possess, if you would. The spirit of the Antichrist. Let's look at those real quick. I'm going to read those to you. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, will be lovers of money, will be boastful, will be arrogant, will be revilers, will be disobedient to parents, will be ungrateful, will be unholy, will be unloving, irreconcilable, will be malicious, gossips without self-control, brutal, hater of good, treacherous, reckless, Conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power. And then it says, avoid such men as these. You see what that is? That brings nothing into a relationship with Jesus. That has nothing to do with God himself. It all deals with self. Every one of those, look at that. Every one of them deals with self. Every one of them says... You, as a person, need to put yourself on the throne of your life and, in essence, declare yourself God, the very same thing that the Antichrist is going to do in the abomination of desolation in the tribulation. Second Timothy 4.3 says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. People don't want to hear the truth. Okay? They just want to feel good when they leave out of here. Want their ears tickled. I'm here to tell you that is the spirit of the Antichrist. Okay? Because it's not what what the Bible says about our Lord and Savior. We get a warning from God's Word in 1 John 4 1, where it says, Christians, he says, test the spirits. Test the spirits. Well, how do we test the spirits? How do we test the, whether or not something is deception or being someone is deceiving us? That's really not what it's supposed to be. How do we test the spirit? I'm going to give you three things here, how to test the spirit, if you would. The first one says, does a doctrine or theology acknowledge that Jesus is fully man and fully God? Whatever someone is preaching, whatever someone is teaching, are they Expousing the theory that, that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. They don't have to explain that. It's just, do they believe that? Are they teaching that? And if they're not, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. Does a doctrine acknowledge Jesus as the Bible presents Jesus? Well, what do you mean about that? Well, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus came to live on this earth. He had a perfect life, didn't he? Denver committed sin. But yet they crucified him on a cross. And he shed his blood and he died. And three days later, what happened to him? He rose from the grave. And what we need to understand is because of his death and because of his burial and because of his resurrection and because he spilt his own blood to pay the price for your sin and for my sin, guess what? He is the only option for eternity in heaven. There is no other option out there. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. What? But by Him. Praise God and we don't have to sort through a whole bunch of, of options to get to heaven. There's only one, and that's Jesus. And if they're not preaching that, if they're not teaching that, that is a false prophet. That is a spirit of the Antichrist. We have teachers and prophets and pastors all over the world today proclaiming a gospel that is not the gospel They are bringing a gospel that says this is is about worldview. This is about what's going on in society and we need to adjust our gospel to what's going on in society. Bring it up, be progressive, do all that kind of nonsense. And we see those kind of folks and and they're preaching values of the world and not the gospel of Jesus Christ. They change the gospel in order to fit in society instead of the gospel changing society that 's a false prophet we see, We see people and pastors on TV today and on radio and and they seem to have the biggest crowds okay I, I, there's a thing on Facebook I saw that that there was a, a picture of a, of a of a church that had ten or fifteen thirty thousand folks there on a sunday and then it had it had a little church there was only five or six folks in there and the, and the caption was who 's preaching the truth?" So you see we have pastors and preachers and teachers across America that say we're not gonna preach about sin we don't preach about sin because you know people that eh, just makes them make them feel bad you know it just makes them feel bad I don't want them walking out that door and feeling bad that they that they've heard a message about sin let me tell you something without an acknowledge of sin you don't need a savior you don't need a savior if you can't understand that you are a sinner that's bound for hell and until you understand that, and until you're not who you should be, your, your perfection will keep you into hell forever and ever. You don't need a Savior. And we have pastors that are preaching that all the time. Don't worry about sin. It's okay. guys. got that. And I believe all they're doing is leading people down a path of destruction. There's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end leads to death and destruction. Proverbs 16, 25. Woe to those pastors. That are doing that. My prayer is I will never do that. Or we have those that uh, believe in the prosperity gospel. That said, man, if you will just give enough for my ministry. Put a little extra in the plate, if you would, for my ministry. And the more you give, (laughs) the more God's going to bless you. I mean, he'll bless you. If you just give a little more, you'll get another blessing down the road somewhere. And as you read the Bible I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. all you're doing is, is is buying him another airplane. you're doing something that 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 builds him up. he gets a bigger house now maybe I don't know, but it's not the gospel. The Bible says you must be aware you must be you must be careful of what you're, what you're, what you're doing. Well how do we know? how can we know what happens if you think that that you're listening to a, a, a false prophet or you sense the spirit of the antichrist as you're sitting in there reading or whatever you're doing well, let me give you a couple of thoughts on that okay if you believe someone is not right if he's a false teacher a false pastor whatever number one don't listen to him man that's rocket science isn't it just don't listen to him uh-huh. number two don't buy his book there's another one. That's that's hard stuff. Don't buy his book. Okay? Just don't just don't do that. And the third option I would tell you would be to run in the opposite direction. And do you know what the opposite direction is from, from that false prophet? The opposite direction is run to God's word. And get into it and read it, and meditate it, and be obedient to that. Why would I tell you that? Why would I tell you not to listen, not to buy it, and and because you know. A lot of these guys are really good speakers. I mean, they're really kind of fun to listen to. I mean, they got some good stuff. They got great jokes. They got great stories. They I mean they're very entertaining. Why why wouldn't you want to listen to them? Well, let me tell you. The devil only needs about that much crack in your life to get into it. Did you know it? And when you begin to listen. To a false doctrine. Or you begin to read about a false doctrine. And, and Satan puts that foot into your life and he just, he's already in there now. And after a while, you know what he's going to do? He's going to do the very same thing that he did to Adam and Eve. And he's going to whisper into your ear and said, Did God really say that? Did he really say that? Well, three weeks ago, you knew he said it. And now you've been participating in a falseness. And now he goes, did he? You really believe he said that? And what happens? Doubt comes into your mind. Deception comes into your mind. And now all of a sudden, you're, you're following that path of this false pastor, this false preacher, this false teacher. And there you go. And he's leading you down a path of destruction. We must be aware, the Bible says in Matthew 10 16, we must be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We've got to know what God's Word says. Did you know it? Why do I constantly tell you to get in His Word? You got to know it. Because I'm going to tell you something There's there's one somebody that knows God's Word better than you do. And this for sure is not me, it is your enemy. It is Satan himself. He knows God's Word. He knows God's Word almost as good as Jesus knows it. And he will quote it and he will twist it to make it sound just like what the Bible says. That's why I encourage you to be in his Word every day, all the time. To read it, to know it, to meditate on it, to think about it, to digest it. And to be obedient to it. The Antichrist is coming one day, is he not? This is Jesus. So is Jesus. He's coming. The spirit of the Antichrist is already in this world. But you know what? i got the Holy Spirit living in my heart. You've got to understand that. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But if you've been born again and the Holy Spirit indwells your heart, it won't make any difference what the Antichrist tries to do, what the false prophet tries to do, what the spirit of the Antichrist does. Bible says you are sealed for an eternity. What a great promise! What a great promise! My prayer is every person in this room has that seal. Okay, that they have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's my that's my prayer for every one of you. And I've and I've prayed that more than once, more than twice, more than three times. There's a song there somewhere in there. Because you see, you see. I love you guys so much that I would, want, would not want any of you to spend eternity separated from Holy God. Have you accepted Him as Lord and Savior today? You know, we've talked about it here before, about pretenders and wannabes. Guys that and gals that think they maybe are, but I'll do it later. Don't do later. There is no tomorrow. Remember, <laughs> there is no tomorrow. As the piano plays, Ron. or we got a song there, Trish. I would encourage you, man. If 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 this message bothers you about the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist, and you've never been saved, man, I would encourage you to do it today. But get it right. I mean, there's no better feeling. <laughs> there's no better feeling that that. That when you've been forgiven. When somebody forgives you for what you've done and wronged them. What a feeling that is. Is forgiveness. And that's a great feeling. Jesus wants to forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed. He wants you to repent of those sins. He wants to accept his son Jesus as Lord and Savior. So there's the invitation right there. Are you willing to submit your heart to him for eternity? Don't. Don't play and have fun today and and are separated for an eternity. Give your heart and life to Jesus today so that you can have an eternity in holy heaven. As we bow our heads, please, and close our eyes, I want to ask you to do business with God. The Antichrist is coming, but the Christ is already here. The Holy Spirit is here. I'm going to ask Christians to be praying for people that maybe they don't think have been born again. There's power in prayer. Christians be praying as the music plays. If you're struggling right now, and your insides are all torn up. That's probably the Holy Holy Spirit convicting you. And I would tell you to take that step out of that out of that pew, out of that chair. And come on down. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Don't let pride stand in your way. song says I surrender all one more verse Trish Father God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your word that's gone forth. Father, I pray we won't be looking for the Antichrist, but we know the real Christ. Father, help us to spend time studying the real Christ, studying your, your son, your Messiah. Father, I, I, my prayer is that, that we've all in here accepted Christ as, as Lord and Savior. Father, my prayer is that, that we all will miss the tribulation. Because we have surrendered our lives to you. Father, just thank you for that. Father, uh, we're thankful for your word. And Father, that we are thankful that we can preach and teach your word, God. And Father, I pray your word goes out forth. And your word says it doesn't come back void. So Father, I just I, my prayer is that that, uh, that what we have said today will, will go forth, will resonate in the hearts of your people. Uh, and encourage them, Father. Encourage us today, God, because of who you are. Father, we love you. We look forward to serving you this week. Keep us in the hand of your protection, Father. In your name I pray these things. Amen.